Hello, dressage darlings, and welcome to Dressage Conversations, a podcast by the South Florida Dressage Association. My name is Stephanie. And my name is Tammy, and we are so happy you are here. In Dressage Conversations, we talk about all things surrounding the wonderful sport of dressage and how we can become better riders for ourselves and, of course, for the beautiful horses we ride. We hope each episode brings you a little bit closer to your riding dreams and makes you feel empowered to accomplish it all. Now sit back and enjoy, and let's get into today's episode. Hello, and welcome back to Dressage Conversations. On today's episode, we have the pleasure to speak with equine nutritionist, Dr. Rachel Motet. Um, Rachel has spent the last decade of her life providing horse owners with the most up-to-date nutritional programs for their horses to help them reach optimal health, ideal body condition, and peak performance. Rachel has helped feed thousands of horses, and we are so happy to have her on the show today. Rachel, welcome to Dressage Conversations. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself your comp- and your company, Legacy Equine Nutrition. Sure, absolutely. Um, I have been working in the equine nutrition industry for over a decade now, and I used to work for a feed company as an equine specialist. And about three years ago, uh, close to when I finished my PhD, I decided to go independent as a nutritionist and offer unbiased consultation. Another big part of what I do in my business is I teach courses to equine professionals and also veterinarians. And that takes me kind of all over the world doing consulting, giving talks, working with clients from just across the globe. So my big focus would be educating and then working with people who have tricky situations that they need help with. That's awesome. I love that. I know like every horse and situation is very individual, right? Um, But talk to us a little bit about what is your strategy and approach when you're working with a new horse and trying to find the correct nutritional program for them? Great question. So every horse, kind of like every person, really is unique in, you know, from a basic level, The nutrient needs are like the vitamin, mineral, protein requirements. That's not going to differ by horse. It's going to be dictated by workload, life stage, body weight, a number of different things, health status. So starting with the foundation of here's what I know I want this horse to get nutritionally. And then you go into a more in-depth approach on what is the health history of this horse? Has this horse had ulcers? Does this horse have loose manure or fecal water? What do we have going on in this horse's health history that might be a factor in how we come up with its nutrition program? And doing a really deep dive onto what is important for the owner and what the owner is also feeling from their horse. Because there are a lot of different ways that you can feed a horse correctly. And beyond the numbers on paper of vitamin, mineral requirements, it takes the right fuel for that horse to do its job. So the rider needs to feel and the horse needs to feel like it's got the fuel in the tank to do its job, to perform, to rise to the occasion, and also have the energy and recover to do it the next day and you know thereafter if they need to. And there's also a piece of what is important to the owner. So I work with a number of owners. Actually, I had a consult just yesterday 
with a farm. They have 16 horses and they like doing a whole food approach. So what that means is they have a trace vitamin mineral as the foundation of the program and they add individual ingredients like oats, they add alfalfa pellets and a few different other things and that would be their preference. And then I'll have a number of other people who say, you know, I want soy free or I like brand X or brand Y and I'd like to continue with them. So there are a ton of different pieces that go into creating a diet for a horse and it goes just beyond or beyond just numbers on a sheet of paper. I love that's that. So, yeah, that's so interesting. I love the the whole horse approach, right? Like, because we're all humans and horses, also individuals. So it's so interesting to hear that as well. Um, can you talk to us a little bit about supplements? I feel like there is such a wide variety of supplements on the market. And, you know, you kind of click on certain brands and, and you start reviewing and then there's 20 million other brands that have the same type of product. Like, what do you look for? Um, when selecting supplements for horses? Well, you know, the supplement world is actually part of why I have a good business because what I do with clients is I will give you the unbiased facts about all of your supplements. And the thing about supplements is, you know, there's a lot of them out there. There's thousands. And I'd say there's probably a handful that I would actually recommend you know, a lot of times we we have these options and we look at certain marketing materials and we're like, oh, if I don't feed the supplement, you know, my horse is going to suffer. I'm not a good owner. But in reality, there's a lot that you can do with a very simple nutrition program that involves good forage, a balanced ration, a source of salt in the diet. But supplements become very tricky because you have a largely unregulated space and, you know, somebody could be mixing some of these supplements in their garage, you know, and slapping a label on them and saying, this is what's in the product. However, you know, the FDA doesn't really have time to regulate this. There is a kind of a governing body. It's called NASC. And some supplements have this yellow NASC NASC seal on them, you know, and that would be an agency that does do some further checking into these companies to just determine, are you using the ingredients you're saying are, are these, you know, nutritional specs aligned with what's on your tag. But the supplement world can be really tricky. And, you know, the thing about that is there are a lot of reputable <laughs> supplements that don't have that NASC seal, but you end up in this space where you've just got, you know, kind of the wild west and you've got people that are putting a lot of false claims on products saying, you know, I see them every day. I'm targeted by Facebook because I'm always Google searching, you know, for my clients <laughs> to look at what they're feeding. So there's this one company, oh God, their marketing's on point, but these products irk me so bad. And if you look at their ads, they're like, look at what it did to this horse. You know, we put it on it. And four months later, we have an entirely different horse and it healed this OCD and it healed all these things. And, you know, they cite research from different scientists. Some of those scientists I know who are quite peeved that their research is being drawn in, but there are so many false claims. And when it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. And if it's, you know, I get a lot of comments about that uh, certain supplement also. People are like, oh, but it's on sale right now. I feel like I should buy it. And I'm like, it is always on sale. It's part of their gimmick. Like, don't fall for it. <laughs> um, 
but yeah, supplements, it's, it's tricky. But like I said, what I do with owners is I will go through each one that they're feeding and I'll say, well, here, what the ingredients in this are supposed to do. Here's likely what they are doing. And I'll tell you, you know, harmful, helpful, unnecessary, unknown. So I just give that honest feedback and let owners make that decision. That's great. Yeah. What would you say is like the most common mistakes that you feel a lot of horse owners are making um, in today's day and age, right? Like what are some of the things that you're kind of seeing within the people that you're working with that's like popular, but is actually mistakes when it comes to nutritional programs? Um. I think supplements or supplements. Yeah. You know, over supplementation is a big issue. Uh, Yesterday I worked with an individual that she was giving six different supplements, yet her horse was still copper deficient. You know, like there's a lot of over supplementing and a lot of thought that, you know, I mix all these things together and it's going to create this balanced diet. But in reality, you know, sometimes more is just more and it's not better or necessarily balanced. So I find, you know, a lot of over supplementation, which vitamins and minerals, they do work in an intricate balance and also over supplementation, even when you have met the ideal levels of these required nutrients can be problematic, can throw off the activity of some of these vitamins and minerals and the balance of the diet. So I see quite a bit of that, you know, people adding vitamin mineral on top of a balanced ration. When it comes to feed, I would say a lot of people aren't feeding the feed according to the type of feed it is. And that that sounds very vague and it might not make sense, but there's a few different categories of feed. For instance, a ration balancer, which is typically going to be a product that needs to be fed at one to two pounds a day. And then there's sort of your all-around feeds that are for horses that need more calories to maintain good condition. Those feeds are typically going to be fed around four to eight pounds a day um, on average. And then you also have complete feeds or senior feeds also fall in that category where you've got the hay built in and those need to be fed at at least six pounds per day. And when I say these feeding rates, the important thing about them is all three of those categories are going to have balanced nutrition and they're going to have the vitamin, mineral, protein your horse needs. However, some of those products like ration balancers, it is very concentrated into one to two pounds. Whereas your senior feed, like I said, or your complete feed has all those in there, but it's intended to make up a lot more of the diet, maybe for a horse that doesn't have teeth or can't chew forage very well. So you have to feed more to meet your nutrient requirements. So a lot of times what I see is, you know, I'll go in a barn and I'll be like, show me what you're feeding. And I'll always have a little hand scale with me. And what we'll do is we'll weigh the feed that they're feeding, you know, and they might say, oh, you know, I give him just a pound of this complete feed because he looks great and he does great on it. However, my job as a nutritionist is to try and optimize the diet. So how I can relate that to the owner is when you're only feeding a small amount of a feed that's intended to be fed over the course of multiple pounds, it's kind of like taking your daily vitamin and mineral and slicing a little piece of it off. Mm. So I try and help people navigate those categories of feed and find out which one is best for their horse. Or, you know, maybe it's a vitamin mineral supplement, not a feed or ration balancer, which I wouldn't necessarily consider a true feed, but it's, you know, just jam-packed nutrition. So 
I would say that's a big thing that I see um, that and over supplementing and, you know, people in general equate feeding horses, you know, to loving them. So there is a big problem with equine obesity, just like, you know, canine obesity. We feed our dogs treats all the times. I'm guilty because <laughs> we love them and we want them to love us. And yeah. Equine obesity, it's kind of an epidemic in the horse world, and we need to be cognizant that that comes with a lot of health consequences. So I try and help owners in, in that situation too, just overfeeding in general. That's, That's interesting. Great. That's really interesting. So yeah, I know that you mentioned um, a previous client that you said had the horse had a copper deficiency. So as humans, when we're not feeling good or when we go to um, – our doctor, they pull blood work and they kind of monitor different, um, you know, vitamins and things like that, that we could be deficient in. Do you recommend that we do that for horses to kind of see where they're at with certain levels? Really, it's, it's much trickier in horses. And there are very few vitamins and minerals that we can measure in the blood or in the urine and have a really accurate assessment of what's being stored within the body. One of them that we can do that with would be vitamin E. So okay. vitamin E is a fat-soluble vitamin, and checking vitamin E is really important in horses because it's abundant in pasture. A lot of horses don't get plentiful pasture, and the vitamin E in the feed and supplements can be metabolized to a varying degree. So vitamin E and selenium, those are a few things that you can measure in the blood when it comes to some of the other minerals, the body has a really good mechanism of, you know, maintaining this homeostasis of these different minerals that it needs. And so what it will do sometimes, let's say, you know, the, the calcium is deficient in the diet, the blood or the body can potentially sequester that from other areas of the body, like potentially bone to pull it into the blood to make that level um, what the body wants it to be to stay in that nice homeostasis. So sometimes you get this sequestering or this movement within the body to make it more homeostatic that when you pull the blood, it wouldn't tell you that information. So okay. usually the best thing we can do for the diet of the horse is really analyze all pieces of the diet and you know, have the feed tested if there's suspicion of deficiency or toxicity, have everything tested and see what's going in. That's oftentimes, you know, the best thing we can do. And keeping in mind, there are some vitamins that are synthesized within the body that, you know, are going to be difficult, if not impossible for us to measure truly how much is being produced. So you can get some basic electrolyte readings from doing some blood work, but by and large, better to just have a nutritionist evaluate the entire diet. Okay. Yeah. Are there some signs um, that you look for or that ho horse owners can look at within their horse um, outside of obviously blood work and stuff, but some signs that kind of tell you this horse is not in the correct nutritional program, I would say like looking at their coat, things like that. But is there anything else that you can share as far as like looking at a horse and realizing, hmm, something's not right here? Yeah, that's a great question. I think one of the big things would be what you mentioned. The coat speaks volumes about what that horse is consuming and some horses, you know, genetically just naturally have better hair coat, better skin, all that. But the hair coat can tell you a lot 
I would say too, quality and muscle integrity, especially in equine athletes, you know, on paper, we're thinking, all right, we want more muscle mass. We want to give that horse a great protein source, but we need to think about just like with human nutrition, not all nutrient sources are created equal. And so you can tell looking at a horse, you know, is this horse getting a really solid amino acid profile, amino acids being the building blocks of protein? Is this horse getting what it needs to reach genetic potential for muscling? Is it thriving? Is the body condition good? Um, a brightness in, you know, just the horse's demeanor, some other signs of potential deficiencies, lethargy, just basic kind of, you know, there's a lot of horses I work with that aren't necessarily nutrient deficient, but ones that are skinny. So in a negative energy balance that are like big puppy dogs and they're like, oh, this horse is so, you know, easy going. And then you get that horse, get some weight on it, get it feeling good. And it's a different horse. It's like, well, mm. it was lethargic because it was in a negative energy balance. Yeah. But I mean, hoof quality, hair quality, overall brightness of the horse, poor muscling, which can be indicative of different health issues as well. But, you know, you look at a horse, they should be bright, shiny, have bloom, be alert. Um, you know, sometimes genetics work against good hoof quality, but, you know, good, healthy feet. Those are things that I look for. Those are very general there are some nutritional deficiency issues that can cause very specific signs. Like there's um, something, it's not, I'd say super common, but it's called big head disease. And that's when you get an inverse or a imbalanced phosphorus and calcium ratio and the phosphorus outcompetes the calcium and the bone actually pulls some of the minerals and the bones readjust um, by adding in connective tissue, which makes them very large and you know, makes the bone structure look bigger than it should. I realize I'm just kind of rambling. I'm thinking of different scenarios. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, this is great. There's yeah. some, yeah. I mean, there's some things that are very telltale. That's like, oh, that's, you know, calcium to phosphorus ratios imbalanced. But you can see very specific issues too with like, um, you know, selenium toxicity. You can see sloughing of the hooves, poor hair coat, but, um, you know, just general lack of, you know it when you see a horse, you know, a horse that feels good, looks good versus one that's just like, you know, getting the, the short end of the stick when it comes to nutrition. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, so interesting. I, I want to encourage our listeners to definitely reach out to you, um, to work with you just because you're just so knowledgeable. I know. Um, and I'm just enjoying this conversation so much. We just love to always give practical tips to our listeners. Um, so what would be your tip that someone can that's listening right now could apply like today when approaching their nutritional program for their horse? Yes. Yeah, so there's it's so hard to say one tip. And if you haven't <laughs> noticed, I'm kind of a chatty person. So I love gonna, it. <laughs> I might have to give you a couple, but here, here are the biggest things that you need to do. Step number one, familiarize yourself with body condition scoring. If you put in Google body condition score horse, there are thousands of resources out there. Find out how to body condition score your horse because that should dictate the forage intake, the feed or concentrate intake, that's going to play a big role in how the nutrition program looks. So 
identifying if your horse is underweight, just right, or overweight. There are huge, you know, problems and consequences to horses, especially from a performance perspective, being underweight. Same with overweight, and there are many metabolic consequences of being overweight, increased risk of insulin dysregulation, laminitis, um, equine metabolic syndrome. So familiarize yourself with the body condition scoring system in horses. And step number two, which actually this kind of ties with another number one, get the forage program on, you know, in check, get that figured out and get it good. So most horses should consume or will consume somewhere between about one and a half to two and a half, even upwards of 3% of their body weight in like dried hay per day. So we're talking about dried forage. Horses that, you know, it, it depends on the type of forage. If you have a really lush, rich, like legume, like an alfalfa in the program, a lot of times they're going to need a bit less than that to maintain good condition. If you're using a maybe more moderate quality grass, they may need more. You want to make sure, though, that you really aren't going below 1.5% of that horse's body weight in forage intake per day. If you have a horse that's a hard keeper, give them all they'll eat and make sure that you can body condition score them. And if you get to a point where they become overconditioned, say, okay, we're going to scale back a little bit. But, you know, according to the textbook, it would say the minimum forage a horse can get per day and still have a healthy gut would be 1% of their body weight. I would never, ever feed a horse that little amount of forage. I mean, that's 10 pounds of hay for a thousand pound horse. That's just not, not ideal. So I would say if you have a horse with severe metabolic issues, it really pays to work with a nutritionist. You know, if you need to go just a hair under that 1.5%, but make sure that they're getting good quality hay, which can be hard to identify for a lot of people, but you know, so that's a whole conversation in its own, but good quality hay and that they're getting the appropriate amount. And, you know, we have this conception horses need to be eating all the time. It's ideal if a horse can have forage as much as possible without it promoting obesity. That's one of the problems we run into. The horse is really designed to eat fairly continuously in the wild. They've evolved as an animal. That's digestive system lends itself to that. However, we think about in a domestication situation where horses don't need to scavenge or look for their food. We just hand it right to them. (laughs) And they have much higher quality forage often in these, you know, farm situations than they might find in the wild, especially in the winter while they're looking for something viable to consume. So I would say making use, if you have a horse that's an easy keeper or more thrifty, making use of a slow feeder hay net can be an excellent tool to slow down the eating time. Um, Just keep them chewing, salivating, fiber flowing through the digestive tract without giving them too much. Because remember, there are serious health consequences to obesity in the horse. So trying to mimic the natural diet as much as possible, but also not, you know, making our horse ill in the process, which can be a fine balance. So those two would be the top two. And then Third, select the right feed or balancer for your horse based on those two things. You know, it's like, well, do I have a performance athlete that is a hard keeper? He might need, you know, performance feed that he's getting six, eight pounds per day. 
Do I have a really easy keeper, warm blood, that steering dressage is kind of an air fern, you know, that maybe needs good forage, needs a ration balancer, and for some extra fuel or energy, gets a pound or so of an all-around feed on top of that, just for some extra fuel. So you kind of enter this, this fine art of mixing, you know, once you get the forage in check and the body condition in check, what do I put on top of that to kind of seal the deal or wrap that up and put a bow on it? So, and lastly, like I said, I talk a lot. (laughs) Um, Every horse needs access to a source of sodium. So make sure that there's free choice salt. Every single horse needs access to that. Some of them really don't love the texture of blocks. So if you have a horse that's had a salt block in front of it for six months and isn't touching it, try maybe Himalayan salt, try loose salt in like a little tub that you, you know, drill into the wall, whatever it may be. But um, like I said, horses, they do have a physiological drive to consume sodium, but sometimes that seems to get a bit overridden by the fact that the texture of the blocks just isn't very um, appealing. That would be my speculation because, and there have been studies that demonstrate horses you know, prefer loose salt over the block. So um, salt should be in every program and clean water. But yeah, so that goes without saying. (laughs) Yeah. That's amazing. Well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, How can our listeners reach out to you and work with you and your, your company? Yeah, thank you for asking that. My business is called Legacy Equine Nutrition if you go online, you go to LegacyEquine.com. You can find me there and submit an inquiry to me directly. Another way you can find me, I have a Facebook group. It's called Equine Nutrition Education. I've got about 15,000 members. But the unique thing about my group is I only let PhDs and DVMs post different nutritional tips or different reputable nutrition resources. So it's not really a Q&A forum. Sometimes I'll post Q&A type of stuff just to play games with the group and get the group engaged, but that's a place one can find me also. And if someone's interested in a one-on-one consult, I offer those. And then I also offer four-week courses for people who really want to get a good understanding about equine nutrition. It's called Equine Nutrition Essentials. I offer a longer course for people who want to do some consulting But educating, teaching, if you couldn't tell, is something I love doing. And there's some opportunities if someone wants to keep learning. Awesome. Thanks so much for doing what you do, Rachel. And to our listeners, you already know how to get in contact with her. So thanks again for your time. We really enjoyed this conversation. Thank you. Have a great day. You too. All right. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening in to this episode of Dressage Conversations. We hope you enjoyed this conversation and that you had some great takeaways to help you on your riding journey. If you're in the South Florida area, we would love to invite you to become a member of the SFDA if you are not already. You can learn more and join us by going to SouthFloridaDressageAssociation.org. Also, make sure to subscribe to this podcast so that you never miss an episode. Until next time, happy riding! Happy riding!